Amen. Thanks, Sarah. And thanks, team, for sharing. Yeah, so we um, probably don't need much introduction to y'all. Ryan and Terry, we are missionaries sent by you uh, into, well, this, this city, and, um, and, and we send mission teams uh, overseas as well. Uh, thank you so much for partnering with us and with SOAR this year. I know we put out a call out um, just to actually support SOAR this year and just overwhelming uh, response to that. So just thank you so much. Um, it's, uh, it's a blessing to be leading this, this year's SOAR. Um, so yeah, we, we work for Multiply. As most of you know, Multiply is the mission arm of the MB uh, conference, and our role within Multiply is uh, mission training program coordinators that uh, centers around three main programs. Okay, so first of all, I'll, I'll mention Trek, and so this is an eight-month mission program. Uh, it's taken a couple years off, but it's uh, uh, restarting this next fall, and it starts here in Canada with a couple months of training and serving locally. And then it includes five months overseas. This year, uh, we're, we're fairly certain we're going to be sending teams to Uganda, Brazil, uh, and the Philippines uh, from the Trek program. It's the same program that I became a Won, a won Bao in Panama uh, many years ago. Uh, if you've been a part of this church for long, and, and if you've been at SOAR, you've heard me talk a little bit about the Waunan people um, in Panama. Well, in, in the Waunan language... Uh, Chibao is, is, is white person, and uh, the Wone people, um, they, they mash up the words, and so they, they use the word Wone Bao when they're talking about a white person that, is, that has been accepted into their culture. And uh, it was during Trek in 2005 and 2006 that I became a Wone Bao, and part of my heart uh, lives there ever since. Speaking about the Waunan people, and the next program is action. And so we have a privi the privilege of partnering with the college right beside us, Horizon College and Seminary, to run a five-week mission program. And last year and this year, we are sending that team to the jungles of Panama. And so they train along SourceSask, uh, so right now. And then next Saturday, they head off to Panama for four weeks. Um, they are going to be... Um, Helping the Waunan Church to train up more leaders to teach children God's story of the Bible. And yeah, so they're essentially helping train up Waunan children's pastors um, only five days from now. So you can pray for them as well. Yeah, and the, the other program that we coordinate is called Source Saskatchewan, which is the reason why we are here this morning. Thank you so much for opening your doors to, to having us here. Uh, the space has been such a blessing for, for all of us. Um, yeah, so with SOAR, we invite teams of all sizes and ages to come and explore engaging our missional imaginations. We do this by focusing on three words that, that Chan mentioned earlier, to, uh, which are know, grow, and go. To know God's heart for the world, to grow in intimacy with Jesus, and to go and join in God's mission. And today we are invited to speak on Acts chapter 20, or sorry, Acts 10, verses 24 to 48. Um, 
And just what happens just previous in this passage is we see two encounters with the Holy Spirit. First, we have Cornelius, a Roman centurion, who had come to believe that there was something within the Jewish faith that he was observing um, that was true. And he was trying to press in through things like prayer and practicing generosity because he knew that that, that is what God, what God demanded of him, of us as, as followers. Cornelius' perspective, though, is from the outside looking in because he was not a Jew, which is, uh, in case... Uh, you're not familiar with it. The, 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 the Jewish people were a group of people, our group of people that God made a covenant with through Abraham and his descendants. So we have that encounter, and then we have the second Holy Spirit encounter, which is with Peter, who is, who is a Jewish man. And uh, through a vision, the Holy Spirit calls Peter way out of his comfort zone. In, in Acts 10, verses 11 to 15, it says... He, referring to Peter, saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So three times Peter has this vision, and the Holy Spirit, oh sorry, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is persistently working at getting Peter's attention, followed by some of Cornelius's men coming on Cornelius's behalf to Peter's home to invite, to invite him uh, into, into Cornelius's home. And this is what happened next, happens next. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to read from Acts 10, uh, 24. Um, to the end of Acts 10, 48. And so that's the, that's the setup for what's about to happen next. Uh, Peter has just been summoned to come to Cornelius' house. So I'm going to work. I just taught a, uh, a Bible study yesterday at SOAR um, that I'm about to read from God's Word. And uh, if Jesus is truly the Son of God, this is the most precious book in the universe. And so... Uh, just uh, prepare your hearts as we hear from God's word this morning. Acts 10, 24 to 48. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human just like you. So they talked together and went inside, where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, Four days ago, I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man called Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon a tanner who lives near the seashore. 
So I sent for you at once, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism? And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? And so he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days days. God's holy word. So Terry already shared the, the three foundation words of Source Ask that really keep Soar rooted in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in everything we do and how we do it. And so let's, let's have a look if these three Angles are helpful questions to ask for this text. So the first one, uh, straight out of the no, grow, go. What does this text teach us about God's heart for the world? Think about that for a second. So I'll, I'll pull out a few things here. God's heart is not bound to just Jewish people. It's bigger than that. He loves all people. And I wonder if that is, is almost enough of a takeaway for this message. I don't know if, if you consider yourself a person of faith or a person of God, but if you do, take a moment to think of a person you would consider not a person of God. Actually, take a moment to think of a person that's not of God. seems like this text is saying his heart is for that person too. His heart is that his love would be shown to them. In verse 34, Peter says 
something very clear uh, or along those lines. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could all see that very clearly, like Peter did that day? On Friday of SOAR, we had MCC Sask lead the SOAR community in a learning day. And Chan mentioned this, I'll just re-emphasize it. The day started with the blanket exercise, learning Canada's history from a distinctly indigenous point of view. Then throughout the afternoon, teams visited many different organizations and businesses that are serving our city in many different ways, helping those coming out of prison, newcomers to our city, those with severe mental health disabilities, and more. And after all that, the learning day portion of the day, or yeah, the learning portion of the day, ended with a church-wide game simulating some of the basic experiences of someone forced to flee their home country. After that, we heard the absolutely sobering experience of a young Afghani woman who has recently lived that experience. And she shared her story and asked penetrating questions to the SOAR community. What is God's heart for all these people? Compassion, grace, empathy, justice, that things would be made right, love. Overwhelmingly, we see God love in this text and that his love is willing to reach to the outsider, outside the people of God and value Cornelius and everyone else he has gathered to hear about the one who makes things right, the one who embodied grace and empathy, the one who, in Peter's words, went around doing good, and he tells them about the death on the cross, but then the new life and the amazing forgiveness of sins when you believe in him. It's all about Jesus, and, uh, and that brings us to our, our second foundational word for source ask, which is grow. So the question is, how do we see growing in intimacy with Jesus in this text? Intimacy in a relationship means that there is a feeling of being close and emotionally connected and supported. In order to get to this place in a relationship, there needs to be an element of trust and being aware of the other person that you're in relationship with. So how do we see this in today's text? Earlier in chapter 10, we learned that Cornelius was a man who prayed regularly. He was someone who was earnestly seeking intimacy with the God of the Jews. So when an angel of the Lord came and appeared to Cornelius, he gave him instructions for his next step, and Cornelius obeys. He obeys because through his regular prayer, he has grown close to God and he trusts God. With Peter, he literally walked with Jesus and was one of Jesus' disciples while he was here on earth. They would have shared meals together, spent countless hours traveling together. And the miracles that, that Peter would have witnessed Jesus performing, like turning water into wine, healing the blind, raising the dead. Intimacy in this relationship was next level, and yet God continues to break down barriers in in Peter's strong cultural traditions and heart. And I feel like this is a good question for us to to ask ourselves. What what cultural traditions am I, or, or we as the body of Christ, 
holding on to that maybe need to be released? What barriers need to be broken in our hearts so that we can experience deeper intimacy with Jesus? Yesterday at SOAR, we leaned a bit more into how we can grow in intimacy with Jesus. In the morning, like you, like you heard already, there is a variety of workshops that people could take part in. Um, things like learning what the Bible says about reconciliation, how God's story changes everything for us, and, how, and um, workshops like music ministry, spiritual disciplines, meeting God through the arts. All of these have purpose, appointing us to Jesus and growing in intimacy with him. Then in the afternoon, each SOAR team met together with a prayer and intercession team, and we took time to sit and listen to God and ask for his spirit to speak to us. And then we took risks together in community. And we spoke out those words that we felt that God had given us for each team member and team leader. The words, scripture verses, and pictures that were shared were words of encouragement, love, compassion, grace, mercy, all things that are pieces of God's heart for each person. And again, that points us to Jesus and and it spurs us on towards seeking greater intimacy with him. Amen. So the the third the third uh, foundation of sore go How do we see going and joining God's mission in this text? Well, first of all, I I feel compelled to bring up what precedes uh, this text, which is, is more than just a little nudge from the Spirit to Peter. He 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 gives him a vision, and that's not enough, so he gives him three visions in a row of the same thing. And while he's kind of half still in that vision, he sends three real live people to his front door, and they ring the doorbell or, or whatever it was back then, right? And then, he, and then as, the, as the door is knocked or the doorbell is rung, he gets a word from the Spirit in this vision, there's three men here, you should go with them. So he goes and answers his door, and it's pretty compelling, Right? Three people say, you need to come with us. Our master summons you. And so there seems to be a a pattern, especially in Peter's life, of of repetition, of of failing big time, getting redeemed big time. You You can read all about that if you don't know about it. But but I feel like Peter is a stand-in for the church here. Are there repetitive ways that God is trying to get our attention? Are we, are we going to be willing to be attentive to those? How might God be calling us as a church to go and join him? The text of today is the first time that God's spirit is poured out like this on an entirely Gentile group. It distinctly marks one of the key differences of life before Jesus and after. But it's more of a fulfillment of God's mission all along than a radical new thing. After all, even in the original blessing of God to Abraham, 
thousands of years before the text we read today, God's blessing that he gives to Abraham includes all peoples of the world getting blessed through Abraham's descendants. This is God's mission. That the nations would be blessed and bring the one true God glory in everything that they do. And on Friday, we had this young Afghani woman that I mentioned earlier from the most persecuted people group of Afghanistan here with us. And one of the penetrating questions she closed her sharing time in this sanctuary on Friday afternoon was this. There are two kinds of people hearing a story. Some hear it and walk away. Some think about it and act on it. Which one defines you? Her worldview is not yet shaped by Jesus. But it's a question that she asked us as a Sora community that is strangely similar to Jesus' teaching at the end of Matthew 7. The person who has the firm foundation in Jesus' teaching is not the person that knows about Jesus or has the right family background or a life of privilege or anything like that. No, it's the person that hears Jesus' teaching and obeys it. So again, I want to finish with these words of a guest into this building. The words of a strong young woman who has to restart her whole life due to unjust and brutal treatment in her home country. So take her words as a strong reminder to look for ways to obey every time we take in a teaching from this precious, precious book, this precious, precious story. There are two kinds of people hearing a story. Some hear it and walk away. Some think about it and act on it. Which one defines you? Let's pray. Jesus, as we, as we soak on those, those words, I think, I think we all want to be the second person that hears the story. But Jesus, I, I don't know that we always are. So Jesus, we, we just come to you this morning. We come to you with our lives and say, please, Jesus, we want to obey you. We need to obey you in every, every corner of our life. And, and if we believe that you're true, it means that we need to, to reach out. It means we need to go when you nudge us or when you downright basically force us. But God, you, you aren't going to force us ultimately. It's going to be our choice. And... Will we be the prepared people that are willing to go? Thank you so much, Jesus, for, for being with us every step of the way, for preparing the way, for speaking to Cornelius before Peter ever showed up. You're that kind of God. We love you. Amen.